You're listening to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Now, last week we were we, we did one whole verse in our study, verse 13, 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because of how much God loves us and the hope that we have in Christ and the strength we have because of what Christ did on the cross, because of salvation, we must be ready. We must be guarded mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. We must be guarded against spiritual battles. Remember, we talked about the fact that that we're not in a battle of flesh and blood. We're not just going to stand face to face and duke it out. This is a spiritual battle. We've got to guard our minds. We've got to guard our hearts. The exhortation that Peter gave us is to hold every thought captive as unto the Lord and to be sober-minded in all that we do. That means that we've got to pause. We've got to slow down. We've got to think about what's happening we've got to be aware of our surroundings later at the end of first peter in first peter 5 8 he says be of sober spirit be on the alert your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour the exhortation is for you and, and, uh, and I as much today as the days that these words were spoken or written. The aspect is that, that we are to stay alert, that our adversary, the devil, is seeking to constantly devour you. Not just once, take a nibble and move on. He wants to devour you. We've got to remain diligent studying God's Word every day, meditating on His words, seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can battle effectively against the enemy. Uh, every week, Brandon and I, my son, we have breakfast together and, and uh, it's just kind of our tradition thing we do. And, and we talk about life and, and we talk about um, ministry and theology and doctrine. Sometimes it gets really, really deep in breakfast. Um, we also consume a lot of green chili, which is really good. But we talk about life. And, and I was talking to him about last week's message a little bit and talking about how so many people are deceived in our world and, and that the battle for our minds is real and happens on a daily basis, on an hourly basis even. He made an interesting statement in regards to holding every thought captive as we were talking and He said, it's not always sinful or egregious thoughts that we battle, but empty and meaningless things that we battle. Even a misunderstanding of who God is. 
or maybe even unbiblical expectations of who you and I think God is and and what he does, even that can be a distraction because we've got the wrong perception of who God is. So again, it reiterates how imperative it is that we seek out who God is, what his nature is, as we study his word. We look to scripture to find out who God is so that we have a healthy perspective in our thought life about God, the Father, the author and creator of the heavens and the earth the creator of you and me. So this morning the title is Obedience Leads to Holiness. We're going to be in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. And again, every time I tell the young adults group on Thursday nights that we're going to get all the way through a certain portion of Scripture, it never happens, so I'm going to stop talking to them about Sunday's message. We were going to get verse 25 done. We are stopping at 16. First um, Peter 1 14 let's start there as obedient children do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance obedient James 1 in, in the NIV says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says do what it says Yes, read and and listen to the Word of God. Listen to teaching, but there's more. There's obedience. There's compliance. Submission. This refers to an obedience shown in observing the requirements of Christianity. Naturally, we don't like the words like obedience, compliance, or submission. How many of your kids, when they were born, they were just the most obedient child ever? Never did anything wrong, right? They're just the best kid ever. And when you said, hey, you need to be obedient, none of them ever lost their mind and hit the floor in a two-year-old tantrum, right? We don't like those words. It's, it's, not, it's not natural to us. They make us uncomfortable. Add to that the word surrender. How many of you like to surrender? No, we're going to fight it out. We're going to press on through. I'm not going to surrender. That's why cops, that television show, is so popular. If they all surrendered, it wouldn't be a TV show. We don't like to surrender. The other words that we don't like tie into this. All the words that I just gave to you, they require us to be humble. How many of you like to be humble? How about vulnerable? You all came in this morning very vulnerable, right? None of your guard is up. You're ready just to open up. You're ready to be transparent. I guarantee everybody who walked through those front doors, yes, we're here with the body. We're with the brothers and sisters in the Lord. We can relax a little bit. But how transparent are you really going to be? How vulnerable are you going to be as we're around each other? It takes relationship to come to that, doesn't it? To have those conversations to open up a little bit. It all starts with our relationship with God and being humble and vulnerable and transparent before Him. Humility. Humility is the freedom from pride or arrogance. Humility brings wisdom. Proverbs 11 11 verse 2. When pride comes, then comes dishonor. But with the humble is wisdom. So when we humble ourselves, it's when we become wise. And then there's vulnerability, there's strength through 
weakness. Remember, we've talked about it before. When I am weakest is when I am the strongest. Doesn't make sense in our minds, does it? That's what Paul was talking about. When there's less of his flesh, when he is at his weakest point, is actually when he is the strongest and makes the biggest impact. Strength through weakness. Your defenses are down. 1 Corinthians 2, 1-5 says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And then there's transparency. That, that point where you allow your imperfections to be exposed. That's always comfortable, isn't it? Here's where I'm struggling. I'm going to show you. Ephesians 4.25 Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Meaning that to be transparent with each other, to share in each other's lives, that means we have to be relational, doesn't it? You're not going to walk in comfortably anywhere and just lay it all out on the table. It's the importance of us building relationships as Christians, knowing that we're walking with each other through life. So personally, the question for you, how are you doing with obedience to God? Pretty good? So-so? What does that really look like? Are you observing the biblical requirements or mandates of God's word? Now that gets a little deeper. Are you truly paying attention to what God is telling you to do? How about the aspect of humility or vulnerability or transparency? It all starts in our relationship with God. If you spend any time with me in any type of a counseling setting, the first thing we're going to talk about is your relationship with God. Where is it? How is it? Is it on point? Have you surrendered everything to the Lord? Are you being humble before him? Remember, we use that verse often out of James 4, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's in that humility that we're totally relying on God to pick us up, to help us, to strengthen us, to walk with us, to encourage us. Now, we're not going to be perfect while we're here on this planet. However, we should be striving daily to be more Christ-like. And for us to do that, well, we must set our hearts on our minds to be obedient to his word. A lot of times we're like, oh man, if I read God's word, well, then I got to do what it says. So I'm going to put it on the shelf till next Sunday. Peter's exhortation is to be obedient children. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel were especially dear to God. He called them his children. In the New Testament, in Paul's writings, all who are led by the Spirit of God and thus closely related to God are considered children. We are God's children as Christians. But here in Peter's letter, the meaning is directed to pupils or disciples being called children, children of their teachers. 
because the teacher, by their instruction, is nourishing the minds and the hearts and, and molding the pupils, molding their character as children of God. So you are one of his children. You are a child of God. You were created with purpose. You're not an accident. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He goes on in the rest of verse 14, as we talk about being obedient, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. How many of you remember what you were like before you surrendered your life to God? Remember that? Do you remember what you were like before that? You want to go back there, do that again? I don't ever want to go back to where I was before. Those things you did because you wanted to please your flesh, or maybe you really didn't know better. Maybe that's just the way you were raised. But then as you learned God's plan, those things began to get set aside one by one. The Holy Spirit brings conviction as we're obedient to Him. As we're obedient to His Word, we begin to change. Something happens. God's brought conviction in my life about certain things, especially last, what, let's start, what, 29 years ago when I truly surrendered my life to the Lord. And then those convictions begin to come. My language was one of the first things I remember the Holy Spirit cautioning me when I'd say certain things or use certain words that maybe I shouldn't use. And he brought conviction with my marriage, how I should treat my wife, how I should raise my kids, even alcohol. We've talked about that. God delivered me from alcohol almost instantaneously. As we don't, side note, anytime people get together and are consuming alcohol, it's not good. Nothing good comes out of that. We don't need it. It doesn't need to be part of our lives. That was just a free commercial just for you. There were people that I was hanging out with. There needed to be a conviction about staying away from them because when I hung out with them, then I did things I probably shouldn't do. I acted ways I shouldn't act. Those are certain people that we need to step away from. Even relationships in my own family that, that uh, they wouldn't honor God and they didn't honor my marriage and they were causing strife and tension. There were even all my own family members I had to walk away from. My own dad because of the damage that he was causing. Those convictions. As Pam and I got into ministry and we're doing youth ministry and I was convicted of watching R-rated movies. Yeah, I like to watch stuff blow up. I wasn't listening to the words and oh yeah, there's that one bedroom scene, but yeah, we don't worry about that either. But then you try to explain it to a middle schooler why it's okay for you to watch but not for them. So why do we watch it? Shut it off. Don't need it. Conviction. And we're here to set that bar. As God brings conviction, we set the bar. We don't have to bend that bar down so somebody else can feel better about themselves. No, this is what God has convicted me on. This is where I'm going to stand. And we keep walking that way. We don't bend to what people say. We keep our eyes fixed on God. And the list goes on. As I seek to remove any unrighteousness in my life, the same should be for you as well. That's that Psalms 139 moment. 
Is there any unrighteousness in me? Help me to see it, Lord. Help me to make it right before you. Help me see the sin of my life and remove it. We have to remember that you and I are responsible for what we read from God's word and what we, what we hear from the Holy Spirit as we read, as we pray, and as we meditate on God's word, as he speaks to us, then you are responsible for what it is you've heard. You're responsible to make a choice. As we live, we live for God's will to be accomplished in and through us. All because what Jesus did on the cross. The fact that he resurrected from the grave. He's not dead. He's alive. That's why we have hope. That's why we live the way we do. That's why we claim to be a Christian. It's because of what Jesus did. Amen? We talk about this at the end of every service. It's because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection that we have hope. We have a promise of eternal life. We have a promise of eternity in heaven with him. The Apostle Paul in, uh, states in 1 Corinthians 15 that we are promised to be alive with him eternally. So that's a motivation for us here as we live on earth. A motivation to fulfill our responsibilities here while we are alive. Guys, you have stuff to do. We have things to do. You're not just here to warm a seat. You're not here just to fill a space on a block. You're not there just to fill a space behind a desk. God has stuff for you to do. He closes out chapter, the chapter in 1 Corinthians with exhortation. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So if we really believe what we claim to about the Lord, it should be seen in the things that we do because none of it is in vain. Don't get weary doing good. As a believer, it's our responsibility to stand firm in the faith, giving ourselves fully, completely to the Lord. We must be all in. We must hold steady and stand firm. You know, it's funny that we've talked about the spiritual warfare that's going on in different people's lives, and there's been things happening on a continuous basis. And, uh, you know, we had stuff going on this week, and it seemed like as we got closer to Sunday, just things that were amped up. You know, you got somebody in the hospital, and then they're out of the hospital, and then they're back in the hospital. Um, all these different things happen. Somebody has COVID, this family has COVID, and this person has COVID, and and so all these things are happening. And in the midst of that, I shared with you guys a couple weeks ago that, that we lost our dog and I had to put her down. And, and in that process, you know, I'm looking, okay, because we're a dog family. And, and I'm a big dog family guy. And so I'm looking at bull mastiffs. And so female, only 150 pounds. So I got a smaller one. Um, but we're looking at puppies. And so I'm checking things out, and I'm, you know, having these instant messages with people, and some guy tries to scam me. I ask for pictures of the pups, and I don't know if you know what a bull mastiff is, but it does not look like a Dalmatian. That was the first scam, so I got that one out of the way. Talking with a few other people, and I find this, this guy, seems pretty legit, and we're having a good conversation, and I get pictures of the pup, and the video, and all that, and with the family, and... 
okay, we're good, and I'm in the process of working on this, and and as I closed things out yesterday and put a down payment down, and, and I just had a check in my spirit, so I'm asking some questions, and we kind of determined I'll pick up the pup on Tuesday and bring cash and all that stuff, and this morning I started getting text messages early. We could do a different form of payment. We can do this, we can do that, and we can da 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 and I'm like, dude, you're scamming me. Talked with the bank, turned it over to the fraud department. I'm saying all that here because we live in a world full of broken people, right? I extend a lot of grace because God extended a lot of grace to me. And so as I'm praying through that, and and the reason I keep grabbing my phone is I want to read you, you know, a couple scriptures that weren't actually part of the message. The 2 Timothy 3, it says, but mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive. Get the gist? You read the rest of it in the next three verses, four verses. But then as I'm praying, and I'm, I'm praying through that, even this morning, and I'm, I was studying, I was up at 3 and praying, and 3.30 I got up, and I'm working on the message again, and I'm just praying, and I kind of came back to that whole scam thing with the puppy, and I hadn't decided if it was really a fraud or not. I'm like, Lord, man, I'm just really frustrated with people. Why do people got to be this way? So, Lord, if this is not legitimate, would you just let it be known? That was at like 4.59. I can show you on my phone the text message from the guy at 5 o'clock. Bing! And then as that conversation went, I'm like, okay, this is fraud. Well, thank you, Lord. And actually, I'm okay. But I'm a little frustrated with people. And God, as I'm praying through that, God just took me right back to Galatians 6, starting at verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we'll reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, let us do good to some of the people, maybe some of the, no, all, all people, especially those who are of the household of faith. Right, so in the midst of us doing life, in the midst of other people doing life and messing things up, doesn't change my hope in Christ. Doesn't change my faith in God. I didn't call in today. Hey guys, yeah, I don't feel like you know. I just had this really bad interaction. So, you guys have church without me? No, we have things to do. We have life to do. We have ministry to do. I'm saying this for me as the pastor, yeah, but but I'm saying that for you as well. Just because somebody does wrong to you doesn't mean that you got to stop and go sit in the corner. You keep doing what it is that God gave you to do until God tells you to do something else because we have hope in Christ. And we can't expect those who are not believers to respond like Christians, can we? They're not going to. See, this is where we must hold steady. This is where we must stand firm and I've asked you more than once do you know what you believe and why you believe it if you don't know then you've got to dig in you've got to learn you have to know and understand what it is you believe and why you believe and if so you can stand fast you can be steadfast the Greek for steadfast or standing firm literally refers to being seated being settled or or firmly situated The Greek for immovable or letting nothing move you carries the same basic idea, but with more intensity. It means totally immobile, motionless, not moving. 
indicating that we should not even budge an inch from God's will even when it's uncomfortable don't move be steadfast when we're talking about holding every thought captive this is fruit of being steadfast our perspective spiritually and physically is that we will not be moved it may get heavy don't move it may get uncomfortable don't move you wait until God moves you Ephesians 4.14 says, As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Keep your eyes on God. This is a sign of spiritual maturity. Because we know what we believe, we will not be swayed by anything or anyone. How, how amazing we're going through First Peter right now. Because nobody around us in our country or even in our city is trying to tell us what to do, are they? They're not trying to sway what we think or what we feel or what we believe. This is a battle every day. Our perspective has to be that we're going to be steadfast. We're not going to be swayed. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by his Holy Spirit. Our goal should be one of learning and maturing on a continual basis, not being conformed or transformed by the world, but truly conformed to and transformed by Jesus. That's it. That's the transformation we need. Keep working towards that. None of us as Christians has been called to go it alone. We've talked about that often. As we walk with the Lord, we have God, we have the Holy Spirit, we have each other. That's that exhortation from last week. We're to be encouraging each other on our walk with the Lord. We're the church. You and I are the body of Christ. And we talked about last week, we're to be that example. We're to be that encouragement. How will they know that we're Christians? By our love for each other first. It starts with us as believers. Do you love your fellow believer? Does it show? So individually, we have to live a life of submission to him. So then as a body, we can be effective in fulfilling God's will for our community, for our families, for our households, for our businesses. Each of us need to be doing our part in ministry, whatever that looks like. We all have something to do. But Paul warns us that we should be steadfast and immovable to be about God's business. Because when we become idle or complacent, we get spiritually weary and we can easily abandon God and immerse ourselves right back with the standards of the world. 
Guys, when we're idle, when we're complacent, that's when we no longer guard those thoughts of our mind like we talked about last week, and we allow those sinful thoughts to kind of fester, and pretty soon we act on them. That's why we stay busy about God's work. We stay busy in God's word. We stay saturated in his word. If we live our lives according to the standards of the world, thinking that there's no eternal consequences or ramifications, if we're saturated with the world, we're no longer selflessly serving, we're always going to be looking for a payout. Well, what's in it for me? If we're following the ways of the world, we're not going to seek to live holy lives. In that, we abandon everything, including eternal responsibilities, and we abandon hope. You want to know why our world is such a mess? It's because they've abandoned hope. Why are there multiple people out there scamming people who want a dog? That's simple and silly. But you name the evil. You name the sin. It's because people have lost hope and they just do whatever they want to do. Why is it that you can't drive down the road without wanting to run somebody over who's driving and cutting you off? I mean, that's just me. But right as soon as we get on the road with somebody, there's somebody cutting you off. There's somebody slamming on the brakes. There's somebody waving at you with one finger. There's Why? Because the world around us has lost hope. Why do people get so angry and so judgmental so quick? Because they've lost hope. Don't be that. We're believers, spirit-filled believers. Respond as a godly, spirit-filled believer at all times. That example will echo in that person that you're interacting with. They may not see it or may not, and may not say anything about it at that point, but eventually they'll remember. If we can hold steady in our hope of the resurrection, if we can keep a clear mind, if we can be motivated to carry out the work of the Lord, fulfilling the responsibility of always giving oneself to the Lord, then we in turn will receive that full reward. So what is your mindset? Are you immovable? Are you fully engaged in your faith in such a way that you can stay on track when that pressure is applied? Always giving yourself to the Lord. This Greek phrase carries the idea of exceeding the requirements of overflowing or overdoing because God so abundantly provided for us who deserve nothing from Him. We should determine to give all of ourselves abundantly in service to Him to whom we owe everything. We owe Him everything. He owes us nothing. If we'll be honest and allow the Bible to speak into our lives and not cut and paste it to fit what we want it to do, we'll see that we are to live a life without compromise, living empowered by the Holy Spirit, gifted with all we need to successfully take life on one day at a time. We have hope. There's a local church, and I won't name it or even the denomination, but I just found out about it in between services that hired a new minister wouldn't even call him a pastor and the sign they changed to the bottom of the church says LGBTQ friendly we welcome everyone they're missing the mark we welcome everybody here too but they may not like the message they hear 
because we're going to speak the truth of God's word. Will you not do the same thing? We have hope. Again, it's a reminder that we're here on this planet in this crazy time, in this crazy season for a reason. There are souls to reach. There are people who are hurting. There's a ministry to do. Not just for me, not just for the leaders here in this church, but for all of us. Work that we're to do outside of these walls. Work to do until the Lord returns or He takes us out of here. You and I are responsible for all that we learn and for the resources that God has given us to proclaim hope and to proclaim truth. That speaks of money, time, energy, talents, gifts, your body, your mind, your spirit, everything all in. You've got to be all in. And what I'm about to say, maybe some of you will scoff a little inside and maybe it will offend you even. But as I say it, know that I'm saying it as much to myself as I am saying it to you. But if you're doing something that doesn't glorify God right now, stop it. Don't do it. If it doesn't glorify God, don't do it. Put it aside. Put it away. If you're going to invest, don't invest in anything that doesn't in some way contribute to the Lord. We've got to change our perspective. We've got to change our focus. We get caught up in ourselves so quick. Even that silliness over trying to get a puppy, right? I can get caught up in that really quick. I need a puppy. Okay. What do I really need? What is it that God has for us as a family? What is it God that has what is it that God has for me? Guys, everything about our lives, it doesn't, the, the biggest thing to the smallest thing is to glorify God. Have you talked to him about it? Have you laid it down before him and asked him about it? That was a conviction this morning in that little 459 prayer where God is saying, well, did you pray about this? Well, yeah, we talked a bit about it last week. Don't you remember, Lord? Hey, God, I'd like that one. Not quite the right prayer is it can we prioritize what we're doing in God's word now we all know that we are saved by grace not by works that no man may boast but our faith must indeed have visible fruit and as much as I say saturate yourself with God's word I say let it saturate your life in such a way that it pours out of you and splashes on everybody else around you be so full of God but it's pouring out. James 2.26 says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Corson puts it this way, If your faith is real, it'll show itself. How? By obeying the word of God and following the leading of the Lord. Even though you may not understand where to lead. At the time, Abraham couldn't have understood the significance of what he had done on Mount Moriah. But this side of Calvary, we see it was a perfect picture of what God the Father would do in sending his son to that same mountain to die for the sins of the world. Our work for the Lord, if it is truly for him and done in his power, cannot fail to accomplish what he wants accomplished. Every good work believers do has eternal benefits that the Lord himself guarantees. What we do has purpose. Make it count. Do your part. Revelation 22.12 says, Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I'll give to everyone according to what he has done. 
is we need to get busy. Our responsibility as a Christian is to read and apply God's word to our daily lives, to look after widows and orphans, to feed the country, to, to the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit those in prison, to serve in our workplace, to serve at every opportunity given. Our work is never in vain when we're doing it for the Lord. Colossians 3, 23 through 25 says, What have you do? Do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. What reward would you rather receive? <laughs> Do it heartily, as unto the Lord. And that reward will come. That favor will be there. So, obedient children, the big idea, the simplicity is this. There are things that you and I used to do that we should no longer do. There are people that you and I used to hang out with that, well, we should no longer be around. There are websites that have been gone to that should no longer be clicked on. Books and magazines that you used to read that well, you should get rid of. Music that you're listening to that needs to go. Substances that well, you should no longer be consuming. We've got to cut off the old man, the old woman, the old life. We just have to stop it. We have to say no, and we have to walk away from it. And we say yes to all that God has for each one of us. Have to be all in. You have a new mission now, and you have much work to do. In this, we're to be obedient we're also to pursue holiness we look at verses 15 and 16 but like the holy one who called you be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written you shall be holy for i am holy guys we live in an automated society right we have ai artificial intelligence we have cars that can drive us without needing to do anything Devices that we talk to to turn on the lights or change the music or change the channel. You can talk to your car and tell it where you want it to go and it'll give you a map with step-by-step -step instructions. Just don't trust it if you're pulling a 32-foot trailer. Not that anything happened last Sunday night. But you realize that God is actually the creator of automation. He's the creator of things automatic. You see, automatic fruit of living a life in obedience for the Lord is that you are making yourself holy. If you'll be obedient, you're becoming holy. If you listen to what his word says and you apply it, you become holy. You begin to change. Stanley says it this way, it takes a godly, deliberate, spirit-filled walk to honor God and glorify him. This does not mean we adopt a sour, grim-faced determination to do the pious religious rituals that drain all the enjoyment out of life. Rather, we live out of the holiness that Christ has given us by obeying him and imitating his ways. If you were to talk with somebody on the street and ask them which kind of Christian would they want to be, one that resembles Eeyore, anybody know who Eeyore is? The donkey from Winnie the Pooh, where everything is bad, it's going to rain tomorrow. Or are you going to be a joyful Christian 
who's celebrating life because of your love for God and you could see it pouring out of you. Well, they're going to want to see that. That's what they're going to want to be a part of. Leviticus 11.44 says, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. That means you're to be holy. That's hard for us sometimes to, to grab a hold of. We see God as holy. What does it mean to be holy? How many of you are holy? I mean, you get half a hand. You're working on it. If you were to go in the store when you left here today and you're waiting at the checkout and there's 10 people standing around you and you say, hey, will you guys do word association with me? And you know, I'm sure they would be agreeable to that. Um, and you would say, I'm going to give you a word and I want to know what it is you think about that word. And you were to say, okay, ready? Holy. Holy is the word. What is the image? What is the thought? What does that make you think of? You're going to get a myriad of different responses. Some are going to say, oh, you know, uh, a church full of candles, I guess. Someone else will give you the, you know, or kind of the aura. I don't know what that thing is. Someone else might say monks at a monastery. Some of them are just going to stare at you because you're crazy. All their answers are going to be based on their worldview. Holy. The last part of Revelations 4, 8 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. It doesn't say loving, loving, loving. Merciful, merciful, merciful. Just, just, just. Even though God is all of those attributes and knows so much more, the focus is on holiness. What does it mean to be holy because God is holy? The Bible tells us that holiness is the nature of God. Holy, sacred, pure, morally blameless, consecrated. I love um, Eugene Peterson did a, a paraphrase of, of the Bible. It's not a version, um, but it's kind of a cool paraphrase called the message. First Peter 1, 15 through 16 in the message says, As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy. You be holy. We are to be pulled into a life shaped by God's life. We should look like him. There should be a family resemblance. Uh, when, when people see Brandon, my son, and, and I together, or even maybe hear us talk and don't directly see us, well, they say, oh, I, I can tell that, that, that you guys are related. You sound like each other. You look like each other. There's a resemblance there. When people see us as Christians, they should say the same thing. Oh, I can tell that you're a Christian. Uh, you look like Christ. You have something about you that is different. See, you and I resemble God. We should live in such a way that God would even look down from heaven and say, oh, that's my kid. That's my son. That's my daughter. I'm proud of them. There's a story of Alexander the Great in the interaction that he had with a soldier who was caught trying to desert. He was trying to, to run from battle. He was brought before the emperor who asked him what his name was. The soldier answered sheepishly, Alexander, sir, to which the emperor angrily said, young man, either change your behavior or change your name. If you're going to bear my name, then you must be brave question for you then this morning is 
Who are you resembling? Do you need to change your behavior? Or do you need to change your name? When you think about holiness, think about wholeness, being made whole, being made complete. As you pursue God, there's a transforming power like nothing else. We prepare our mind. Hope comes. We change our actions. Hope comes. So simply said, stop doing the bad things. Say no to the old past. Say yes to God. Doing that shapes your very conduct. Focus on accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish. Not what you want to do. God, what is it you have for me to do? Help me to do that. Back in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. There's a little word there that we kind of pass over as we read in verse 15. How much of your behavior should be impacted by your relationship with God? Some of it. Most of it? Or all of it? Maybe we look at the Greek to get a better understanding of what that little word all means. Everything, the whole thing, all manner of, always, any, daily, forever, thoroughly. So how much of our behavior is to be holy? All of it. All of it is to be holy. Again, you're not going to be perfect, but it's to be holy. How are you doing with that? What does it mean? What it means is when you surrendered your life to Christ, it means all of your life. It means God when you wake up, God when you get dressed, God as you walk out the door to take on your day, God when you get to the workplace, God when you get to school, God everywhere in your daily life, in all of your conduct, God needs to be part of it. This is a lifestyle choice to be a Christian. You realize that? You are choosing a lifestyle to honor and glorify God. all of your conduct to be holy is to allow God to conquer the inner man and when the inner man is conquered the outer man will respond accordingly if you're taking care of that relationship with God and you're doing what you're supposed to do then your flesh is going to begin to respond the same way how many of you are perfect thought I'd get you on that none of us are perfect right now how many of you are currently holy work in progress right all of us how many of you walk around and you can hear the angels in the background all the time around you because you just that's you right you're walking holy we're not perfect we have areas of darkness we have areas of growth that need to be addressed just things that we're constantly going to be working on have you ever heard the term put your house in order Get your house in order. I'm sure when you get home from, from church today, some of you are traveling, so it really doesn't matter. You're going to get home today, all the dishes are done. 
There's no laundry that needs to be done. The house doesn't need to be vacuumed. There's no chores that need to be done, right? Everything is in order. There's no yard to mow, no leaves to rake, no weeds to kill, no painting to be done, no prep for fall or winter. There's no projects at all. Your house is perfectly in order right now, right? Nothing to do. If anybody says yes, come to my house. I got a list for you. The reality is that there's always going to be things to do as we maintain our, I don't care if you rent or own, it's an apartment or a house, there's always going to be things to do. But if you're always sweeping the dirt under the rug, or or you used to have a three-foot fence in the backyard, but but because the weeds got so big, you decided to put a six-foot fence, eventually you're going to have to address it. You're going to quit hanging ornaments on the weeds in the backyards. They're not trees. You're going to have to address it. You're going to have to get the dirt out from under the rug and throw it away. You're going to have to cut the weeds down and kill them. You're going to have to take care of things. It's the same in our spiritual lives. We must perform maintenance on our spiritual house. You know, this temple of our body, the the temple of the Holy Spirit. Be holy. Get your house in order. Be obedient. Not conform to the former lusts. Don't be conformed to the former things that you did before, that you heard before. You have now heard and received the truth of the gospel. Live your life in humility, in transparency, in vulnerability, first before God, then before your fellow brothers and sisters in the faith. And again from last week, exhortation. We must have the exhortation of the Bible to keep us on track. Then we've got to have the exhortation of each other as believers, as spirit-filled followers of Christ, to continue to walk in that faith. The reality is, out of obedience to God, it brings us to the pursuit of holiness. Holiness is the fruit of obedience. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word. And Lord, we desire to know you more. We, we truly desire to be obedient children. We struggle. We need your help. We can't do it without you. We surrender all to you. We ask that you help us to truly be obedient. And in that obedience that you would bring the fruit of holiness to us. Lord, you know where each person in this room is, those listening online, and and even those listening on the radio later. Father, you know where our houses are, so to speak, what needs to be put in order. God, would you help us do that? Let us be ready for all that you have for us to do. Let us be used powerfully and mightily. God, I would also pray that those who don't have a relationship with you, God, that you would send your Holy Spirit to continue to draw them to you. God, that they may know you, that they may have hope. As we talk about at the end of every service, it's an opportunity to have a relationship with God whole aspect of the gospel message the the whole aspect of what we do as a ministry and as a church is about grace 
about restoration, restoring our lives with the Father. Not kicking us to the curb. He, he, his arms are open wide to you. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. And he, he's ready to take you where you're at right now. There's nothing you can put in your life that will fill that void. We've tried. We, we try to fill that void with uh, drugs, with alcohol, with sex, with pornography, with material things, with religion, thinking if we're religious enough that we'll make it. God, all those things will, will fall away. The gospel message, the, the fact that, that God had a plan from the beginning of time, from the, the creation in the garden when sin came in and broke that relationship, he, he had a plan to send his son to the cross where he would be brutally murdered where his blood would be shed to cover your sins and mine, where he would be put into a grave, and three days later, where he would rise again and is in heaven with the Father right now. It's all because of that, that we can have a restored relationship with God. He extended grace to us, and he loves you unconditionally. That shed blood of Jesus brings hope to those who are hurting. John 3.16, we hear often it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's because he loves you that much. In the book of Romans, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if that's you today in this room or listening online or the radio, you can be forgiven and you can ask Christ to be Lord of your life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to say a simple prayer. It's not a magic prayer. It's not an, an incantation. This is just a conversation from your heart to God's heart. If that's you, pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe you're alive today. Sorry for my sin. Forgive me. Come into my life today and be Lord of my life. I will follow you the rest of my days. Thank you for the hope that you give me. And I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to share that hope with others. In Jesus' name. Amen. That was good. This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.